This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. This is the February 2021 monthly market update where I go over the news and what's been impacting the economy and our real estate investing. The Easter egg, just to start out. So I put together all the recordings for the turnkey rentals in a little turnkey download pack for you guys. That's opacitcashflow.com slash turnkey slash download. The reason why I did this, because a lot of the stuff I've forgotten. Yeah, we have the incubator group and we have the remote investor e-course for new investors, but you know, I'm moving off to syndication deals and more accredited investing type of stuff. So I thought I would try and archive this all in one place before I forget it all. So if you guys are starting out lower on the net worth side, check this out. But let's get into it. You guys don't know who I am. My name is Lane Cup. I still have my PE license. I don't plan to go back to the day job. So I have it because it took so long to get. If you guys want to check out my podcast, find it on iTunes, Google Play, and also the YouTube channel. All right, first thing here, we'll start with a few teaching points for folks. First thing first, Biden's in charge now, and some of these tax changes might be coming down the pipeline. Currently, corporate rates are at 21%. Biden's looking to push that up to about 28%. They always talk about removing the 1031 exchanges. Frankly, I don't really care. 1031 exchanges doesn't really impact us sophisticated investors who invest as private placements and syndications and diversify. Um, it only hurts the sucker buyers who are distressed buyers. I love 1031 buyers because they're distressed and they always pay 105, 110% of asking price because they're distressed. They have to move. Don't, you don't want to be that person. Don't say no to 1031s. And so Biden might be taken away, which is fine. Some other things that's going on is like, other than the corporate tax rate possibly going up is he's he looks looking like he's going to whack those people over $400,000 AGI. But for a lot of us, we're able to use these passive losses and manipulate our AGI to fly under the radar with that type of stuff. If you don't know how to do that, check out my tax guide at simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax. But yeah, a lot of cool charts here. I, I got this Ernst & Young uh, report that they put out. You guys want to see some of the visuals here check this out on the youtube channel or i i have all the investor letter all the monthly reports on my website at simplepassivecashflow.com investor letter and you guys can uh, catch up on this in the visual form so other things he's going to be looking to do is you know, he's going to create like a made in america credit 10% towards revitalizing and retooling manufacturing facilities and bringing production back to the u.s I'm definitely looking at some industrial investments these days to diversify myself. I still like multifamily, still like mobile home parks and office space, but yeah, I'm always looking to diversify my personal portfolio. Of course, Biden is a big greeny guy, so you're going to possibly see a lot of the solar credits, maybe restore the full electronic vehicle tax credits. For in terms of housing, looking like that they might bring back the $15,000 first-time homebuyer credit. Everybody freaks out every time something like that comes out saying that it's actually going to impact a lot of things. To me, like, I stopped caring about all of that stuff because it's a drop in the bucket, really. Yeah, some people might be buying a house and it might make things go up for a month or two. But, you know, even big $15,000 tax credits for new first-time home buyers, I've just seen it not really move the needle in the long term. 
But if you are like me and you rent, yeah, it might be a cool way to pick up $15,000. But if you're buying a one to $3 million house, that's so 15 grand. That's not much. As far as childcare, 8,000 tax credit for childcare, 5,000 tax credit for informal caregivers aimed at elder care. Most of this stuff is still in the works and I'm sure it will change. But when we figure out what's going on, we'll let you guys know. Of course, we strategize best practices behind closed doors in the family's office, Mahana Mastermind. If you don't know what you're missing, uh, lucky you guys know what you're missing, but it's good stuff in there. All credit investors. And it is what exactly what it is, a mastermind of multiple family offices coming together that are under our umbrella. To learn more, go at simplepassthecashflow.com slash journey. But enough for the commercial, some more teaching points here. I was working through the development deal that we have going on in Huntsville, and we just signed our guarantee maximum price contract on that. And for those of you guys still doing the burst strategy and flipping houses, the way we did it, this is a $20 million project we're working on. We're trying to build 200 multifamily class A units. Uh, so workforce housing, class A's kind of synonymous with new builds. We are put in place a guarantee maximum price contract to shelter the movement on the price where we're also incentivizing the contractor to find us cost savings. So I pulled this out of the washed-out standards when I used to be an engineer up in the Washington state. So back then, or if you followed the washed-out standards, there's a formula here saying that if the contractor finds a cheaper way to do it, you can split the cost savings with them. So it's a way of incentivizing them to be a good steward of your money and find cheaper ways to do it. In the private sector, we use a 25% profit split. But yeah, just a few ideas for you guys doing the birds, take some tips from us. We want to be aligned with our contractors as much as possible, even though it's very hard. If I'm going to do a, a construction project, it's going to be on the bigger scale with these bigger, more professional construction firms. Are you a non-incredited investor looking for opportunities to invest passively? How about a newer investor looking to get a bit of a track record and confidence from your spouse who's a little bit skeptic of what you've been listening to the last few months? And could you use the reinforcement of double-digit returns paid like clockwork in the form of monthly dividends? The American Home Preservation Fund, or AHP, is currently open again and is looking to bring new investors with them. I have been investing with them since 2016 and originally I used it as a means to pay for my regular expenses. I started with $60,000 as my initial investment and that paid my car payment completely for me every single month. HB collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes via restructuring or selling the debts unlike their competitors. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when owner George Newberry saw the impact Simple Passive Cashflow was making and eventually approached me to become a spokesperson of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks. And if you want a free bird zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. For more information about investing with AHP, go to hpservicing.com slash investors. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. If you guys haven't heard the whole GameStop thing, I'm not going to beat this to death. I'm sure you've read about it in every single publication out there, but... If you haven't, basically a bunch of folks on Reddit banded together and manipulated the price of GameStop. But look, this is why I personally don't have any paper assets. This is what happens when a bunch of kids have access to an asset 
and this is why I'm out of something that everybody has access to. There's a reason why I like real estate. Not everybody can save up 20 grand to go buy a $100,000 house. Certainly not many people can go and buy a 10, $20 million apartment. There is limited access. There is a barrier to entry. That is why I like it. And I try not to do anything where I don't have an unfair advantage. But if you guys are on the roller coaster of stocks, mutual funds, that type of stuff, it took me a long time to get off of that bandwagon, but I'm so glad I did getting into real assets, especially that cash flow. On this chart is 30 or 40 things that can go wrong, ranging from weapons of mass destruction, price instability, digital inequality. Some of these, I don't even know what they are. Livelihood crisis, infectious diseases, climate action failure, human environmental damage, extreme weather. Uh, and it ranks everything on a chart, which you, if you guys go to the YouTube channel, you guys can take a look at what I'm looking at. But ranks it on the chart between how much impactful it is to the uh, global outlook and how likely it is. I'm sure we have about half of these on the private placement memorandum in capital letters. But in this life, there's risk, right? You're always going to have risk. But I think if you figure out ways to mitigate that risk is the important thing. And I think diversification is the personal way I do it. And going into things that perform well in recessions, not hospitality, not restaurants, not those things like travel and leisure. We touched upon this a little earlier, potential impact of Biden's 15,000 homebuyer tax credit. Out of the list, this is the probably the one that's likely to go through is what I'm reading. It'll be cool. The residential real estate market is very hot right now because of the low supply. Not necessarily, I think there's super high demand, but it's more because of low supply. But maybe when this gets put into the money supply or, or out there, people start to get see this, maybe it might take the real estate market even further. John Burns, we just had him on the podcast a month and a half ago, but he points out um, some cool things, developments that are happening, migration from urban to suburban locations. People are seeking less density, larger floor plans, more outdoor space, the low mortgage rates, relative affordability, and shifting from working and schooling from home supports the suburban migration. So examples of that are Bay Area workers going to Stockton or Sacramento, Seattle folks moving out to Tacoma or lots of the east sides if you're familiar with that side, Bellevue. Migration from gateway cities to secondary markets continues to be on the rise, such as Boise, Spokane, Charleston. Now, I don't necessarily like those specific markets, but this is just what John Burns is saying is a general trend. And they advise to a lot of uh, institutional investors. Another development is luxury and second home sales soar in locations drivable from major coastal markets. So those people run away from those high price areas such as Seattle and uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles. You're seeing new home sales peaking in places where People are trying to pick up that second home or that nice luxury home just outside where the populated areas. So places like Naples, Lake Nona in Orlando, Salt Lake City and Las Vegas, or people in Salt Lake City and Las Vegas are benefiting in Daybreak and Summerlin, for example. New home sales in the top 50 master plan communities. Now these are like the big uh, suburban developments of track homes. Largest year-over-year -year growth we've seen in nearly a decade. We expect low mortgage rates and buyers' sense of urgency, improved living situations. And 
John Burns will advise to a lot of those type of clients, the big home builders out there. They'll use their data to make the right picks of where to go. I'm telling you this, guys, because these are the smartest minds in the business, and we, we're lucky we get insight in what their information is, so we can make decisions as a mom and pop investor or syndication private placement investor and follow where the smart money is going, not where the dumb money, which is typically in these primary markets, just still flipping houses locally because they need to feel it, touch it, and see it. New home prices rose eight percent year over year, according to the Proprietary Builder Survey. A robust demand and limited supply are driving prices up and up. And they say that they do not see this forecast really changing anytime soon. But here are some of the barriers to be on the lookout for should they come to fruition. Finished inventory per community remains low. Others are restricting sales at 28% of their communities nationally to align with production capacity and lot supply. So they're still moving forward, but it's going a little bit slower. Finished lot supply runs low. Builders are scrambling to find new land deals and develop additional lots after selling far ahead of expectations. Some of the new lot supply won't be ready until the second half of 2021, especially in markets with difficult approving processes. Building product delays and shortages continue to plague the builders, such as appliances, or we've been facing a little higher than normal lumber. So we've been forced to buy lumber as we need it. Resale home supply remains low in most metros. Uh, so this is encouraging even more consumers to consider new homes. The uh, Joint Center for Housing Studies of Harvard University wrote the next findings. That's definitely not an article that you would scroll through on the social media feed here. <laughs> That's why I didn't put it on the, the Instagram channel because no one who would read this. But I, I started reading this article and it was actually it's actually pretty good. So they're saying during the downturns, the expectation is that the housing prices will decline, not increase, and certainly not increase as such extraordinary high rates as it has. Some of the causes is the tight labor markets, the unemployment rate after peaking at 4.7% in April, we came down to a still weak level in 6.7% in November. So some room to improve, but you got to remember before it, this whole thing was not an economic issue, it was a health crisis. Before the health crisis, that threw everything out of whack. We were at a super low level, 3.5% of unemployment. High inflation, the consumer price index has been running for years, but only up 1.1% in 12 months ending November 2020. Therefore, strong housing prices increases are not simply a reflection of inflation, they're extraordinarily high on real inflation adjust basis. So what is it, like four to six trillion dollars? I don't know if that's true, but it's somewhere on that magnitude. At least two to three trillion dollars got pumped into the money supply, which is likely causing the stocks to stay at these all-time highs, despite going to 14.7% and now 6.7% unemployment. People will say likely what's happening next is inflation, but in some of the readings that I've been doing um, through Richard Duncan and other uh, economists out there, what they're saying is a lot of the inflation is not tied to the money supply these days. Essentially, America can print whatever money they want and, and manipulate the interest rates and can do this all by not increasing inflation. Not yet, that is. There is a, still a loose lending mortgage bubble. The average national lending of a single family home mortgage debt divided by the market value of the whole is still an extremely low at 34%. There's no bubbles, guys. People are paying down debt, especially in this 12 months. If you have a job, consumer debt is on the decline. So it's not a repeat of 2008, that's for sure. This is coupled with ultra low interest rates. The Fed pushed down interest rates to very low levels in early 2020. 
and promises to keep it there ultra low for years to come. As a result, monetary rates have dropped to a record low level of 2.7%, full 100 points base lower than it was a year ago. Housing production shortfall. Prior to 2008, housing production was cyclical with volumes that went significantly above long-term growth, but that's not happening today. I mean, we're building as we need it. It's what's going on. Fewer, fewer houses for sale. The pandemic has been noted for the low level of houses for sale. Like I said, low supply. Potential sellers do not want to risk inflection with buyers wandering through their houses for showing and open houses. That's what these guys say. I don't know if I quite buy it. If, to me, if you need your house sold, you don't care if people are walking through it. You need it sold. But in recent years, there's an evidence that the baby boomer generation is holding onto their homes longer than their predecessors. It's creating that logjam. There is no more fundamental economic rationale for prices to go up. A shift in family spending of moving towards housing. Everyone's stuck in their house. You know, this is obviously why people are rehabbing their houses, doing home renovations. People are nesting. They're less traveling. They're stuck in their house. So they're putting more money, more percentage of their uh, network into their house. Maybe because people can't have house guests now. Maybe the whole keeping up with the Joneses isn't around anymore. But there's certainly data is showing that they're certainly putting more money into their houses. A pandemic-induced acceleration in the purchase of second homes. So this is a lot of the wealthier guys that are trying to buy other properties in other areas, like we mentioned from the John Burns study. This is a list of the top 50 master plan communities from John Burns. The takeaway here, guys, is you look at the list, what are the states that keep coming on? Florida, uh, there's one big one, the Howard Hughes in Summerlin, Las Vegas, Utah, South Carolina, you know, Florida, Texas, Florida, Texas, Florida, Texas. I mean, it's, and then Phoenix. There's a couple in California. There's one in Houston, Texas, but it's always the big, right? Florida, Texas, South Carolina, Nevada. These are the places where people are moving. You haven't noticed. Top 10 emerging markets. If you are a multifamily general partner, apartment buyer, please cover your ears because the top three are Huntsville, Alabama, Pensacola, Colorado Springs. These are the top emerging markets and these are the smaller markets. So these are not secondary markets like a Dallas or a Phoenix, Arizona. Those are that high, that top to mid tier in terms of population. What we're talking about is emerging markets. So a lot of these are considered more tertiary markets. So again, in order, it's Huntsville, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, Colorado Springs, Omaha, Reno, Savannah, Des Moines, New Orleans, Birmingham, and Knoxville, Tennessee. Maybe that whole Huntsville, Alabama growth is spurred on, or actually this got released pretty recently in the last month that the uh, Secretary of the Air Force has selected Huntsville, Alabama as the preferred location to host the U.S. BaseCon. Now, I don't know what the heck this is. Back in the day, these guys would launch the V-2 rockets. I don't know what they're doing all in space, but whatever they're doing, it probably costs a heck of a lot of money and employs a lot of smart people and everybody else and a lot of tech stuff. So that's going on in Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama. Why I like Huntsville a lot. Fannie Mae released a press release, economic growth expected to accelerate as vaccine deployment quickens and warm weather approaches, like a duh here. But they're saying the U.S. economy is expected to grow 5.3% in 2021, a substantial improvement from the currently projected 2.7% contradiction in 2020. 
So they're saying it's a green light. A commercial property executive also echoes that too. Their headline on January 11th was vaccine to trigger quarter three CRE recovery with an economic turnaround expected to begin around mid-2021. All I got to say, guys, is what were you doing when the volcano was about to burst? Here's Patty Mays right out of the report. That's their GDP estimations, exactly what they're saying, to hit 4.8% in Q2 2021, 7.5% in Q3, and 6.1% in Q4, and then to kind of re-level off in 2022. Yeah, a lot of action. Prices are still low for large commercial assets, and I don't think that the prices are going to remain low that long. Uh, Freddie Mac sees improving multifamily sector for 2021. So this is Fannie Mae's brother or sister, whatever you want to call it. The other pseudo-government agency predicts rents to increase in most markets and originations to rebound after a very slow year 2020 for obvious reasons. So the U-Haul report has come out, guys. So the U-Haul report is something I really like to follow, which if you guys haven't uh, used the U-Haul in a while, you're probably too rich to use it, right? The U-Haul is what all the blue-collar folks or the broke college kids use to move themselves. So this is a great indicator where the blue-collar workforce are moving. And the top 12 uh, migration growth is in this order, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, Ohio, Arizona, Colorado, Missouri, Nevada, North Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, and Indiana in that order. Texas is always on the top here. It's always a dog. Like Texas has been like the top like the last half a decade at least. But a surpriser one is Tennessee. Now, I think a, a few slides ago we had Knoxville creeping up there. So there's something going on. But yeah, Tennessee used to be 12th on the list. Now it is shown to be number one. Uh, Florida was number one, but it's down to number three. And Texas is number two, like I said. Uh, Joe Biden just passed his $1.9 trillion relief bill. It's like stimulus three or stimulus four. I don't know which one we're on yet now. But this one went into effect in right as he took office, January 15th. What is it? How does it impact multifamily investors? Well, out of that big bill, what it did was it extended the eviction and foreclosure memorandums through the end of September, $30 billion in emergency rental and utility assistance, $1,400 stimulus checks for qualifying adults, increasing federal weekly unemployment benefits to $400 through the end of September, Five billion in emergency assistance for people experience homelessness. And as people are like, before this happened, they're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? We're going to fall off the cliff. People's welfare checks are going to be running out. And man, this happens all the time, guys. Like the government has shown us time and time again that they are just going to print money. That's just what they do. Some of the biggest surprises of 2020 were the uh, rapid innovation saved in the housing industry via virtual tours, exploded private appointments drove conversion rates to new levels, the federal stimulus. They're saying it's a big surprise. To me, it was no surprise. People were repairing and remodeling their houses, single family home rental operators competing for land. Uh, a lot of these guys are building the, the build to rent model, which included an amazing 8% in the Southeast. Surprise, surprise. And the midway point here, guys, uh, just take a little break here. If you guys haven't checked out our offerings of what we have in our ecosystem at simplepassivecashflow.com, check out the website. And our two groups of masterminds are the Family Office Ohana Mastermind, the phone for short, simplepassivecashflow.com journey if you want to learn more. 
probably in the next couple of months, we'll kick off another incubator group. Now, this is the group for newer investors under quarter million, under half a million dollar net worth. You're trying to pick up that first single family home rental. I mean, that's what I did back almost 10 years ago myself. And that's what started this whole journey. If you want to learn more about that, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash incubator. Check out the remote investor e-course. If you want to buy that and when, when you sign up for the incubator, we can refund you for the purchase there. That way you can get a head start on the e-course, the academic learning. And then when the group starts up, you can jump right in with everybody. But a little bit of uh, personal updates on my side, as I always try and break things up in the six eats per Tony Robbins first growth. Like we had our virtual bubble. I thought it was an awesome event. I was pooped after two full days of this. We had about a hundred attendees virtually. It was a paid event, so it was awesome. People who were there were serious about connecting with others. It was not a death by guru PowerPoint. It was, I would say 60 to 70% was breakout room times, building organic relationships with other passive investors. So I'm saying it was growth for me because I'd never done one or I never hosted one. So it took me a few hours, but I really got the hang of the uh, virtual breakout rooms. And I think a lot of people were able to navigate on their own. So that was cool. Contribution, new members that came to the bubble. I didn't realize how many people, I guess they don't listen to every single podcast or they read every single article I have at simplepassivecashflow.com. People saying, oh yeah, I've seen that infinite banking thing. I didn't realize it was such a thing. Everybody's doing it here. Or yeah, I mean, it was really cool to see people seeing the light on some of these wealth building strategies of the wealthy and how simple they are, but how counterintuitive they are to what you normally see out there. Again, it seems like where I'm heading off in life is to create a contribution to the world and to create more of a boutique. I was watching a YouTube video today of what's the difference between McDonald's and In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out, McDonald's went and conquered the world to do this big business, whereas In-N-Out Burger, they've kept things small in the boutique. And that's my vision for Simple Passive Cashflow. Hopefully you guys will stay a part of it. How did I get a little significant into my nice? We closed this sucker, the Jacksonville's tallest building in the Bank of America Tower. Uh, was built in 1990 and we just bought it as a group. It was a $75 million deal and then appraised the next week for like low 80s. So we just made a few million, at least right there. And it's the biggest in the skyline. Who doesn't like to be the biggest? Uh, how do I get a little uncertainty in my life? This has been the theme for the last six months, right? When is the world going to open up again? I mean, we just showed you like three articles of how everybody's saying quarter two, quarter three, 2021 is going to go like gangbusters, but it hasn't happened yet. We're still waiting. I'm seeing a lot of listings go up by brokers. A lot of these brokers are finally getting the sellers to say, yep, now's the time. Let's put it on the market. Let's move it. We, we held back from 2020, but let's get it moving. We know that the world's not going to end, but we don't know if we have another six months at prices at this level, which is why we're pretty active and which is why it was great that we we're still active last year because all these other guys who just sat with their, their hands under their butts, they don't have the broker relationships at this point. How do I get a little bit of certainty into my life? We sold three deals in the past month. One in Atlanta, that one we 100% return investors money in two and a half years. Sorry guys, the first checks on that are going out, I think in a week or two on that. And then we got to wait for some the, the final bills to come in, but we should get that out shortly. Another class C in Huntsville, so 60% return for investors in three years. That's like a 33% return. And then another one, 100% return in three years on another Huntsville property. But uh, yeah, it's done, certain. How do we build a little loving connection in my life? In the bubble, 
there's a cool thing on Saturday night. Some people were invited their spouses. We had a little spouses panel. My wife was there. A few other of the investor wives were there. We did a little dive into how do we work as a couple to make financial decisions, right? What investments to go in and how do you run your family household? And the finding was everybody does it a little bit differently. You're not going to have the ideal what we make decisions in tandem. And maybe that's how it happens, but that doesn't happen in my family. So it was great to get people together and it was really appreciate the spouses for coming out to that. These spouses that somehow are listening, such good sports, listening to the Simple Passive Cash Out podcast as they are driving around or maybe reluctantly listening because their spouse is making you listen to it. But let me know. And I got, I got shorts. If you guys came to the Saturday night thing, I got shirts for you guys as a surprise. And thank you for coming because not many spouses come. Most don't. So if you guys truthfully came, let me know. Uh, we'll get you a shirt. Uh, some fun things I bought because what's money for than to buy some cool stuff? So I bought a workout bench and I bought this cool punching bag, but not like the punching bag you fill with towels or sand that like rips your hand up. This one's like you put water in and punching water still can break your hand. But so there's a column of air in it. So it's like just soft enough. You get that snap, but it's just soft enough. That can be found on Amazon. A couple of cool things I bought this month. Yeah, the, again, the Easter egg, guys, if you guys want to download all the audio trainings for surrounding single-family home, remote rentals, turnkey rentals, hopefully you can use this to get ready for the incubator if you want to join us on that and you get Rolodex access to the people that we work with. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey-download or share this with your friend, right? And I think that's the, the common theme I hear all the time is that my friend doesn't, I, I tell him about this all the time and I just waste my time. In fact, that's how I created this podcast. So my friends would ask me how I buy all these rental properties and they never do anything. And some of these guys have still never done it, but can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them a drink, something like that. But uh, for those of you who jumped in live, thank you. If you guys have any questions, uh, type it in the question answer box. We'll try and get to it. But uh, here's the legal disclaimer. And on that, we will see you guys next month. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.